This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. Again, my name is Shane Larson. I am the host of the show. We're going on almost four years. We've hit over 81 different countries, 55,000 plus downloads of the show. The show continues to grow as we build out the brand. And uh, it wouldn't be possible without our amazing sponsors over at 208 Printing. So make sure to go check them out, madeby208.com. Check out 208 Printing. They're local here in the Treasure Valley, but they will do anything. So if you're a listener outside of Idaho, it doesn't matter. If you want print done, you want your hats done, you want any of your merchandise taken care of, they're your guys. Go to 208 Printing. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and you can also go to madeby208.com to get any business inquiries for them as well. So today is special. You guys heard it in the introduction. I've got an amazing guest on the show. We're going to talk about the history of mixed martial arts in the state of Idaho, specifically in the Treasure Valley as well. And you guys have heard me, you know, I've, I've had different uh, local fighters who have joined the show throughout the last two, three years. And um, now we get to hear about one of the guys who was truly the pioneer of MMA. And his name is Scott Marker. And Scott, I'm just super happy. It's a long time coming. Um, I'm happy that you joined me. So thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Shane. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. So Scott and I actually met at the gym. This is a, a common occurrence apparently around here. I met him 10 years ago. I had returned from a church mission. I was at Axiom and I knew like you had like some Kempo ties to your, to your like, oh, like, yeah. like yeah. so you had like a Kempo shirt or something. I knew you were into Kempo. You and I started talking about stuff because I used to do Kempo karate and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then I was a boxer for Golden Gloves for three years and we would just chat. And I was a huge fan of mixed martial arts, and I knew you were a ref. And so we just started chatting. Scott's got all the knowledge. He's got all the stories. So you guys are going to want to tune in today. It's awesome. Scott, listen here. Like We've got we've to hear about this. So right now it's 2020, and we know that the, the, the sport has grown. I've talked to the fighters. The sport has grown here, but it didn't start that way. I want to hear about the origin. So before we got to 2020, let's talk about the earliest existence. When you realized that like MMA was actually going to be – introduced like this mixed martial arts thing what was it like back then when mixed martial arts was starting to be introduced into the valley because it was kind of uh in a sense barbaric back in the old like the olden days of like the early 90s mid 90s so i'm curious what your thoughts were as a you know into the martial arts realm when this was being introduced what were the discussions that were being had yeah it it started here in the treasure valley really because i do have a background I got 91 i got my black belt in kempo and i always our school in Boise was known, Ruin Day and I were run it, ran it, was known as a fighting school. So, yes, I went to the internationals and won bunches of trophies and all that stuff. did really well. But uh, it was just funny. I was, I don't know, looking back, I was like, all the stuff I was winning tro trophies for had nothing to do with what I was doing when, when people come in and, like, say, hey, let's spar, right? So I was always looking for realism. I mean, really what it was. And, and something was missing. And so I started searching. I went to seminars, Wally J seminars, and then a guy named Dan McCluskey, which passed, who was involved in a bunch of you know, other martial arts stuff, um, and great guy, just a great guy here in the here in the valley. He knew I was looking for realism in fighting, and so he gave me VHS tapes at Wendy's. I still remember the day. Two sitting alone between their in-action tapes, the Gracie in-action tapes. I watched those, and they changed my life. I went, I got to do that, right? Because all this kicking and crap I was doing all those years, they're just negating it by, by taking them down. So that's how I kind of got kind of got the bug was watching the, the, the in-action tapes. And then I ordered the, around about the same time, and this was like 91, 92, um, uh, before the first UFC, I get the, the first Gracie volume one and volume two tapes, and I just watched them and learned Gracie Jiu-Jitsu off of those tapes. And then I went, I'm, not being a jerk, but I went around to a lot of the places, Chris Reyna and a lot of schools around here, and they can tell you. Um, I just, I, I'm standing up. I grew up across the street from uh, Kenny Keene's manager and boxer, not the time, but so I used to spar for years out in the backyard, and I, so my hands were good. I wrestled in high school, did cry, I could kick, but I was looking to kind of, how do I, you know, take the whole thing to the next level? Uh, so the inaction tapes, then I got the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and I just watched the tapes, 
And I went into school after school and I could hang with anybody. I just took them down and tapped right this stuff, Gracie Jitsu, right off the tapes. I tapped everybody. No one knew what to do. Everybody turned over, choked everybody out, arm barred everybody. And again, I, what, I don't think you know, I had a lot of skill sets, but it doesn't mean that I was so special. It's just I had, I had skill sets nobody else had at the time. And so then the USC um, uh, 19, in 1993 is when Hoist Gracie and the first UFC happened. And I still remember where I was and like, holy crap, this is brutal, you know. <laughs> and, and it was the tournament style and, you know, no, no holds barred. So it was really at that time I look at it was the MMA was coming to be, but it was still more NHB, right? So no holds barred. Um, and then I, like I said, I watched that and that I got me further getting the bug and trying to get all, all this stuff together. And then you got people like John Peretti, who was the matchmaker at the time in the early days, who I didn't know his history, but I stumbled across him on Facebook and we've communicated a lot. And I looked out his history and he started the extreme fighting thing, but he, he's one of the real true founders of MMA. I mean, and, and I didn't know it at the time because it was single people, they had gloves, you know, so it's more like, looks more like versus the early UFCs look pretty, pretty rough. So I, then, um, and I even kind of took some notes in, about, about, about the, the timelines, because again, it, it was jam-packed during those times period. So then in 95, I, I, Shane Simpson, who ran a Kempo school in Nampa, and I just stopped by one day and kind of you know became friends with him and then hooked him up with my instructor. And I, he knew I was into that stuff. And I go over there and teach him, you know, jujitsu um, to him or, and stuff. And so... We were looking through a magazine that said, you know, Gracie black belts in in um, United States, and so we flipped through it. And Pedro Sowers out of uh, Ogden, Utah, and Shane goes, I go, I I want to learn from that. I want to let's let's have a seminar or something. And so he called him up. Pedro could barely speak English. I mean Portuguese, and he barely could speak English. And and he actually is friends of the Gracie family. He had pictures. He I mean, he's he was he was right there in the hole and the, the Gracie thing. And, and so he, and he even did a challenge fight of his own back in the day. Um, so I brought him up in, in uh, uh, February 95 was the first time I brought him up. And that kind of got things going to where more and more of the jujitsu, but still the no holds barred part of it was there. Right. And then it just kept, um, and then, and uh, uh, so I brought him up. I, I didn't know how many times I brought him up. I brought him up every, every couple months. And then I started one of his blue belts, uh, Rob um, Hadley, who's a black belt, not great guy, does Muay Thai and stuff. He, he'd come up and train us because it's expensive to keep bringing Pedro up. So we kept doing that. And then around that time, Chuck G out of Idaho Falls was kind of getting involved in the whole MMA thing. So he'd been him and his guys up and kind of doing that. And then in 1996, um, Dan Huff, who ended up being the first deputy commissioner of the, uh, for Idaho Athletic Commission of MMA, Dan Huff used to come in my place and learn grappling because I was the only guy really was doing that was doing Gracie Jiu Jitsu, right? Brazilian right. Jiu Jitsu at the time, self trained, and then Pedro was starting to come up and train me. Um, and so I had lots of people roll through my place. Uh, uh, Ruin kind of taught the, the Kempo stuff up front, and I got to where I was teaching MMA stuff or Brazilian, you know, ground Brazilian Jiu Jitsu back there. So Dan Huff would come in, and he, there was a guy here from California that taught kind of a variation of Muay Thai. So he kind of taught me some of that, which I thought was cool. So I had a lot of guys roll through. So he, he come through my place. Tom Sepnex came through. I mean, just at the who's who, Brandon Shuey, a lot of those people came, came through the place. And then in, um, cause of Pedro's, a lot of times pay, I bring Pedro up and I'd go recruit everybody. Hey man, you want to get your stuff real? Come here. So Brandon Shuey, Tom, I mean, a lot of these people that are kind of here now in the back, got involved because I brought Pedro up and, and, right. and I was, and that's, that kind of got him involved in 1996, Dan Huff put on the first, and I, I even though it's the MMA, it was still kind of no holds barred because that, and that was in the great uh, Maple Grove Grange hall. It was freaking packed. I mean, now, now I can say this cause it's 96, but I'm sure if there's a fire marshal, they would have shut it down because it was <laughs> wall to wall people. And my guy, uh, Dave Hammond, I think is who, they lied about his background. He's a tough freaking dude. They told me he's some traditional kind of guy. He had some Muay Thai background and stuff like that. So the rules were at that event were um, open hands to the face. You could punch to the body, knee to the body. Um, I, I think they had no, no headbutting. Uh, 
but you could, you know, so that, that's kind of, that was kind of the rules. And then I think it was 10 minute rounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, real quick, real quick, because you, as you're getting into this, first things first, I, I had a couple questions that popped in my head. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners the difference between like a full like sanctioned mixed martial arts, like the full out thing, what we see now with five minute rounds yeah, and this yeah. and that, and a no holds barred? Like, what's the difference between NHB and MMA? Yeah, uh, NHB is really kind of the, the beginning of MMA is re really what it is, and 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 no holds barred. Depending on who you did, and they did some of that here, was more no gloves. You could do head head butts, um, bare, bare knuckles, right? Um, and even if they wore gloves, there was still, uh, it still was tournament style and, and you could, you know, um, still, you could headbutt a lot of times and stuff. So really no, no, no holes barred for the most part was really the, probably the no glove stuff and, and headbutts and, and very little, they were trying to get so close as they could to a street fight is really what you're trying to do. Okay. okay. Prove, your, prove your crap works. Right. And, totally. and yeah, so that, that, that's kind of how the difference was. And again, thanks for having me. Cause I, I've thought about this from the beginning as I'm a, I'm a, you know, a fan too. And so I've kind of looked at the whole progression of it and just amazed, but that's where it kind of went from that to the UFC started and it was kind of a, trying to get to MMA. And then once you, once they switched to where they got more rules and they actually followed weights, um, that's also in the beginning is when I first started out, I mean, uh, if you're within 10 pounds, you know, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, yeah, you're, like, you're good. <laughs> especially if you back, especially if someone backed out the day of, right. Then it was like, okay, is there anybody breathing that we can get in the kit? Not me. I didn't do that. I was, I was a rep, but, but a lot of promoters did this. Anyway, so that's kind of, so 96, um, I, 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 I trained for a guy that again, that's another thing back in the day, there just wasn't any tapes so or you couldn't find out of anything. And right. so you had to believe the promoters and, and the promoters will be nice because I want to keep things positive is embellished people like oh they have no record or you know or or they have this huge record uh but my guy backed up the night out they called me up and said hey your guy backed out um can you you know can you do a demo so i show up mentally off and not not think ready for a demo and then glenn amador who's still involved big time in the mma he was a light heavyweight wrestler for boise state um and he came up to me i didn't know him at the time that's where i first met him and he said hey um, I heard your guy backed up. I have a guy, uh, friend that wants to do this, but Hey, he doesn't want to punch or kick. Right. Okay. Uh, he wants to just straight grapple. I went, Oh, okay. I, I, cause I, I worked so hard. I wanted to kind of see how my, and I was actually at that time, I was a white belt still under Pedro Sauer in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Right. Okay. So in a black belt in Kempo. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. So <laughs> Glenn fought Justin Eilers, who's, known you know and he's passed away got actually shot but um uh, he he justin eilers and uh, there's a whole other story on him but that's where um justin eilers fought glamador that night and there's a good example look look at the tape i mean glenn outweighed him by we'll, we'll be conservative 25 pounds it was just and it was kind of the slapping and 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 kneeing and, and all that type of stuff but anyway, so i go in against eric hines is who i got and he eric hines is a former boise state wrestler and again Glenn said he doesn't want to punch or kick, right? So it's a 10 minute nonstop deal. So I go out and clench and he start drilling me with uppercuts in the face. And this is bare knuckles. I'm like, oh, I get it. This is a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so we hit the ground and he is just going hundred miles an hour, punching me in the side, occasionally trying to hit me in the head. It was kind of like a, the Dan Severn, um, uh, Hoist Gracie is yeah. it? At the beginning one was i i was in the bottom and it was it was and i grappled a lot of people he was freaky to be to be any college wrestler you gotta you gotta be a freaky level of strength yeah. but he was just freaky strong and everyone's saying you should have swept him you should have this and the whole time in my brain when i was fighting i was thinking man he's right in my guard that's 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 my game you know i gotta leave him there right so i i didn't really try to get him to i mean i didn't, I didn't try to mount him or nothing because he was at first he was stronger than hell i couldn't yeah. believe and so he was punching and punching and punching and stuff. And I like started trying to get him a triangle choke. I don't know why I wore shoes either, but that, that caused trouble. I had, I had wrestling shoes on, I think, cause I was going to, uh, I don't know why I had them on cause I don't remember, but I had them on and it caused trouble cause I couldn't, he was hanging on really tight. So I like tried to get him a triangle choke. He picked me up and slammed me down. Everyone was like, the crowd's going, Holy crap. It doesn't hurt. That didn't hurt worth crap, you know? So then I, uh, Ezekiel choke, which I, I wore a gi, he wore nothing, right? So I, 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 
I did an Ezekiel choke on him and I, I, I thought I started hearing gag. And then all of a sudden people are in the crowd are going, Hey, he's tapping, he's tapping. And the referee stops it and then goes crazy. And he says he didn't tap and his corner's going crazy and you know, all chaos. So Dan Huff, Dan Huff actually put that on okay. and came over to me and said, Hey Scott, um, do you mind doing an overtime? Because you know, there's a lot, so much controversy. I said, yep. I don't want to leave it like this. Right. And I tell you is, um, I, I knew that I had to finish him because he was on top the whole time. No one, I mean, no one knew, you know, the whole, right. It was, he was on top punch, punch trying he, right. he, he, the only time I got hit in the whole thing was at the beginning. He tried to hit me a zillion times is I was really good at defending is, is that the first three or four punches, he hit me right in the beginning of the fight. But other than that, I blocked, uh, so we did, we went into an overtime. I can't remember what it was, five minute overtime or something. And uh, he, he just started to stall. And so um, I went, oh, he just sitting there. So I got him in a guillotine and, and I, I, part of me, I should, I don't know if I should, but I was almost thinking, I got to make sure they see he taps this time. Right. Yeah. So if you watch the video, he's tapping and tapping and tapping and tapping because I thought I don't want to let him, you know, you know, get any, 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 anybody, any, you know, I want to make it clear that I won. So I tapped and I just let him go and I stood right up. I was not even, I wasn't exhausted at all. He had gone 110% the whole time. He was, he was tanked. Um, and I, I was just like waiting for him to make a mistake. So um, anyway, so that, that's, that's kind of how I got, that's kind of how I got the claim to fame on that first fight. It's, it's amazing. Cause you actually posted a video of this yeah, on yeah. Facebook and I was blown away because this was literally for anyone who's listened to this you might not have seen it hopefully we can go like scott can can uh you know maybe redirect this or tag me in it and i'll, yeah. I'll share it to my page because yeah. it's amazing like it's an old school like vhs style tape but yeah. it is it's crazy in there the fans around here were not used to that style of like no. a, an event for, uh, that kind of a combat sport and it's true like you were saying stuff that kind of resonates with me scott because it reminds me of the hoist gracie like when he would go he was comfortable on his back because at yeah. that time Nobody understood how, like, why is he so comfortable on his back? Which threw yeah. a lot of wrestlers off because they're like, well, I pinned you. Now what do I do? They don't know. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is where, this is where the fight starts. And it's true because I, as you're talking, I'm remembering the tape and the guy was a monster and he's got a, like, he's got energy for days, dude. He's, he's <laughs> a young dude, probably just like yeah. slamming you around. And you're like, let's just be real. You're not like the biggest, tallest guy in the world. Like you're, yeah. you know, you're strong for what you are. And then you just went in there technically sound and held your own. And I love that you said, you know, he slammed me. That didn't hurt. Some people like this is why I, when I watch fights, Scott, and and the crowd or the commentators like, oh, and they're making noise. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes like those big old slams, it, depending on how the the person braces, sometimes they right. don't hurt as bad as they look. Like right. so you can brace yourself properly for it, and you're just fine. And I love that you were like, yeah, it was wasn't even tired. You knew what you were doing. But back then, everyone just didn't know. So they're probably thinking this yeah. guy's winning the fight because he's on top. No, that's not how it works. This this isn't how it no. works. Scott knew what he was doing. So it's, <laughs> it's just so cool hearing how you, you – and you had your gi, and he didn't. That's another Hoist Gracie type thing. Yep. Gracie used to wear his gi back in the day when you could just wear whatever. So yeah. most guys wore nothing. He wore his gi, and you'd ch choke him out with his gi. Uh, so that was the first – example there um was that your first actual like i know you had done karate tournaments you had talked right. about going to tournaments and stuff how did you compare that event like a true fight if you will and as right. close to a fight as you can get right. at that time to your like karate tournaments and so forth that you had done prior to that yeah and that's kind of why i was looking for something different because uh, again at our school again at, at the time we were we were ahead of our time we just because again I have a wrestling background, not crazy, but I was good. And then I boxed, you know, sparred for years. Then they cry, I could kick. I mean, I knocked, I knocked several people. We had people come into school. And I, I knocked several people down, kicking them in the head, you know, so I could, I could kick bunch. And then once I added jujitsu, um, you know, that, that was kind of it, but it, the, 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 I stopped, stopped doing all the karate stuff just because it was um, just, I, I couldn't make it work under pressure. I mean, it, you talk to anybody nowadays, oh, that's common sense. But back then, people just didn't get that a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I, I wanted to see if it worked under pressure. And so that's really what, really what it was is that, um, you know, here I am a white belt and, and in a normal, normal thing, I mean, Eric would have killed me, you know, he's a freaking strong guy. Uh, you know, just, he, I mean, I can kick and punch and stuff, but he, he especially if he, I didn't know any takedown defense back then, you know, he, he, I would have never survived. So, you know, as a white belt in jujitsu, that saved me, you know, really, yeah. really did. And so, it, 
it, um, it's it's totally totally different. I mean, it, it, the 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 term is stuff. A lot of it's tag like stuff, and it just it just can it help you? Yes. And now, and I don't get too much in the weeds on this, but nowadays you can actually see the stuff I used to do not as good as they do. But I mean, the kind of karate I call it karate crap, right? <laughs> Fancy stuff that wouldn't spin and kicks and all this type of stuff, and then right that i was doing but when when the early days of the mma that crap didn't work because because people just shoot and take you down yeah. and the reason is is because it's 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 advanced so far the martial arts do you have a solid freaking mma base you can wrestle you can you have jujitsu you have muay thai you have, you have this rock solid base now what they're doing is for several years now is they're sprinkling back in that crazy crap that would have never worked back in the day now people are surprised to hell when all of a sudden this guy spins around and does a spinning jumping back kick to his face. Anyway, so that's that's that <laughs> that's that, that that crap just didn't work back in the day. Watch the early UFCs; they show tapes of people, right? These karate people breaking bricks and all their forms and stuff, and then they get in the cage and what they look like an untrained fighter. They're swinging like this, you know. Um, so that's what I want to do. Was is just uh, and that so that, that's really the difference is is just. What you're, what the, the big difference is, is you watch Hoist's tapes, how he's going to fight back in the day, right? Or you watch someone's going to fight. Now, how does it look when they get in the cage? That's really the biggest difference is. And a lot of these karate type tournament type people, right? If you get them in a MMA type situation, right, it's going to look totally different, right? Uh -huh. So that's, that's, that's kind of the biggest differences right there. It's, it's super interesting hearing that. And then I can totally see it. It's crazy watching those. If you, ha if anybody has ESPN plus a subscription to ESPN plus, they have all the fights, the olden day, the original UFCs, I think up to the first 10. Uh, it's crazy to watch. Like, it's almost like I used to love them. And now that I've kind of seen like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, like it was uh really, really bad. So, um, really, really bad fighting. <laughs> it was like really one dimensional, uh, yeah. very, very poor fighting. So, it's just interesting to watch, and and I see it too because even in the boxing world, Scott, when I'd go and I'd train boxing, now obviously that has like its limits too. But we'd be in yeah. the boxing ring, and people would come in from a from a karate yeah. background. And I remember my boxing coach once. I had a karate background too, which helped me in a sense because it helped me know how to breathe when I was punching. And certain little mm -hmm. things that people don't realize helped me stay like in state. I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't tense up. So I was able to pick up boxing pretty quickly. Uh, different stances and so forth. But I remember him saying. Uh, this guy comes in, he's got a karate stance, and he, his his hand positioning and the way he stood was completely different. And he goes, dude, we're going to break right through that karate. And I remember him sparring for the first time, and it was true. Like, he just had a weird style. Now with MMA, like even Francis Ngannou had talked about it, like the boxing, he, he loves boxing, the actual sport of boxing. But the training in boxing, like traditional boxing, is different than boxing in MMA, like where he puts his hands because he's gotta, he has to defend a takedown. But they're so, like, now they sprinkle in a little bit of everything, and it's just different training nowadays to make it more realistic. But it's uh, when you have just that one specialty, it can typically be exposed if you don't know how to like yeah. do the other. So it's just crazy to hear how like you, okay. So you, the cool thing about you, Scott, and I'm geeking out right now is the fact that not only were you an instructor and you're helping teach and implement all of this into the Valley, like you were bringing up Pedro, you were holding these, you know, training sessions to, to implement all these new things into the the fighting styles here but you were a fighter <laughs> like you got in there and practiced what you preached and yeah. i think that's rad um so after that 96 bout or whatever you want to call the match right. what happened then so what happens that we got a lot of popularity did people like it did you guys decide you wanted to do more of those things did you want to compete more what happened then yeah then then it uh well after that the next one in the valley was a tournament style it was put on by uh chris uh sidekicks chris reina yes. it was in nampa uh napa high school gym and they spread mats out and it was a tournament style and they asked me if i wanted to fight and i'm one of those guys that from the beginning um charlie uh, forte i think i say said the last name he's a big fighter back in the day just a punch like a brick brick house right <laughs> but he's a guy that could just bring his bag and you can't do that nowadays but back in the day if someone was no show he, he he'd fight anybody anytime right right i had to i wanted to make sure i was in shape I'm not saying he was in shape, but just me personally. I need to mentally prepare for a couple months. You know, I wasn't going to just get in there and look look crappy, you know. So anyway, they asked me after that one. It wasn't too far. After, I think it was early 97 is that the the the, the next one came that Chris put, uh, Raina put on. And it was a tournament style. So he fought three, three times in one night, like the USC. Right. Wore gloves. They had heavy light. So 
there's still there's weights, but it's heavy light. Yeah. Um, and and uh, anyway, they asked me if I want to do, and Chris did, and I, I just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'll do the next one, right? And he says, hey, you want to rep? He's like, I'm not repping. I rep that whole night. So that's how <laughs> that's how I got involved in repping. And 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 so it was really the first one was I rep that one, and actually, Eric Hines fought that night, and he fought a Muay Thai guy that was supposed to be all the bad. You know, everybody says he was a bad dude and stuff. And Eric shot in, picked him up like a professional wrestler, and slammed him down, and then tapped him out. And everybody goes, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> and then people start to understand. Oh, no wonder that guy Eric Gibbs got such a hard time. He's freaking tougher than hell, you know. Yeah. So then he was then is then he was supposed to fight another guy, but that guy got banged up and came out and walked back out. He didn't want to fight him because he he got banged up in his other fight. So he ended up fighting Jens Pulver. Oh. Okay. Uh, and. He actually tapped out Jens Pulver, but there's rumors flying around. I, the, the thing I think is on it is is that they they were friends. They're both Boise State wrestlers, so they agreed not to hit each other. Right? So they're out there rolling around trying to tap each other out. Eric, Eric I, I heard Eric was just a better wrestler, and so he tapped out Jens. You know, so that gave me a lot of cred back in the day, just because um, you know it's like wow, Eric gave me a lot of trouble. Well, Eric's a freaking tough guy, you know, yeah. and and he fought actually a lot of times here at and did really really well and left the state and did pretty good. He's a, you know really tough guy. So anyway, that was where that, that, that's kind of, that happened. And then I like to say, you know, like the Billy Idol song, when it, uh, you know, lit the match, right? Right. Right. Then it just went freaking crazy. I mean, it starts fights start. I mean, uh, different promoters start setting up things. Um, it, it's, there was a uh, 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 Taylor Irvin. I can't remember what year it was in the nineties. Did one down at the fairgrounds. This is a great story is they went down to the fairgrounds and I have it on DVD, right? And um, I'm the ref and I have like shorts on, black shirt. No, no, I, oh, I was sponsored by Powerball, Power, Power Bar at the time. And uh, uh, anyway, I still remember watching the tape. I've forgotten all about this. And people are getting, fighters getting into the cage, have tennis shoes on, <laughs> you know, like Nike shoes and, and cutoffs on and stuff like that. And it was just, but there was some MMA. I mean, it was still, it was, it was a rough version of MMA that time. But the, the, the thing was interesting about that night was, is that I think it was Charlie fighting. You know, I was the ref that night and uh, I was saying break, 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 break. And I think the other guy who was fighting Charlie popped him after the break. And Charlie went, if it was Charlie, I'm pretty sure it was him, went freaking ape crazy. Like, Hey, he hit me after break. So I'm holding on to him and, and I trip actually. Um, and, and both quarters go freaking barreling in. It's just mayhem. And they, they leave, they, leave, and, and I'm on the whole time. I'm thinking, what? The music's boo, just loud, heavy metal music still going. Lights are on. I'm thinking it's like kindergarten, man. You need to like shut the half the lights off and turn that freaking music off. Cause it just kept, kept going and going. And then it settled down. I'm just, you look at the tape. I'm sitting in the corner going, you got to kid me. This is like just so not cool, you know? So then, um, then it, then it broke out with some couple girls out. And so there was, you know, there's some chaos and some fighting stuff. Well, the funny thing is, is that a guy that was there that night that, that I was friends with, he reached, he lives in California. He reaches out and goes, Hey Scott, you're on TV. I go, what? And there's a TV show that you got, I think it's, you got to see this where they show uh -huh. like a, a rodeo getting this cut, right? Somebody sent that in and, and they said, Oh, there's a, Let's see how these fights go down in Boise, Idaho. And that 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 whole incident fight and everything breaking out is on national TV. <laughs> go figure, man. That's so it hilarious. was just it was just but but the cool thing was is that and this is where things are starting to get closer and closer. Oh, Mike Kyle, he's fought in the UFC. He fought that night, I think. So there was yeah. And then and real quick back, and I was I talked to Brandon trying to figure out, but Justin Eilers, uh, I brought Pedro up, and then Pedro did kind of a MMA down in Utah, little things, and Brandon fought in it, and Justin fought in it, and then uh, not too long after that, it was before I think before I fought Eric Hines, Brandon brings in Justin into our place at Park Center. That's where we were at for years at Park Center at Health Club there in Boise, and brings in Justin. And back in the day, the rules were you know standing up if you didn't have gloves on, then you kind of slapped each other and stuff. But if you had gloves on, you know we're gonna go light, medium, or hard, right? And and there's no weights, so I don't think we had gloves on anyway, but Justin, I just remember Justin comes in and I didn't know who he was. Right. And he's just not, not, a not just like not smiling or nothing. I go, well, how do you want to go? He goes, Oh, we'll, we'll medium. And then 
Brandon goes against my buddy Joe Jones. I go against Justin, and Justin bum rushes me, slams me against the freaking wall, and headbutts me. The only cauliflower I ever got was from him because I wear headgear all the time, and, and headbutting me, and then I packed him out, <laughs> armbarred him, and he was furious, furious. And so then he's a big dude, and then he went against my buddy. My buddy tapped him out in a leg lock, and uh, he he was not anyway. So with him. We kind of, so that was before the 96 fight. That's what it was. That was before the 96 fight because I actually kind of didn't like him very much because he just had such a chip on his shoulder, I thought, right? So I actually, that day that I showed up in 96, um, I remember him coming to me and going, did you see the size of my opponent? I go, yeah, I did. He goes, oh, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Justin's a guy, I got to give him credit, you know, especially he's passed away. But I get give him credit. Justin's a guy that when you see him training, he's at one level. And when he got in competition, he raised it to a whole different, not everyone, a lot of people get the pressure of, you know, being in the cage, being in a competition or any type of boxing or any competition and your level drops because you're nervous and you can't, you know, you can't break through the pressure. Justin always stepped it up. And when he got in there against Glenn, he lost the decision, but holy crap, he did fantastic. So um, anyway, so that's kind of the, the Justin Isla story. He, he kind of, I, I was kind of hoping I wasn't a fan. I was like going, Oh yeah, he look, does look pretty big. And then years later he came over and gave me a shirt and was real cool with me you know, after he's in the UFC and stuff like that. So, isn't, anyway. isn't that funny though? How like the relationships over time, like respect is gained and so yeah. forth, but you just like in the, heat of comp I love it. I love your confidence though, Scott, because it's like, okay, dude just head butts me. Boom. Okay. Oh, well then I, I just armbarred him and I got, yeah. him. you know, you're just like, okay, I guess it's on. And then you would just yeah. take it. One thing you pointed out right there that I wanted to touch base on real quick as well is in the fighting world, it's very, uh, like, this happens all the time. In boxing, it was like this all the time, but it's in this, it's like this in any sport for that matter. It's true. You're, you're nervous and everybody gets nervous. It doesn't matter how confident you want to yep. look, you get yep. that, those nerves. Teddy Atlas was just talking about the boxers, like in your first box match, you're looking over at the other guy and he looks just like he's loose and ready to go, but he's got these butterflies in his stomach. Yeah. He's looking over at you and you're like, you got the butterflies in your stomach, but you're trying to put on a straight face and you're good. Like, True. And, and he goes, so you just have to realize it's a mind game because even Mike Tyson will tell you how nervous he was to come out. Yeah. And then like these MMA fighters like Donald Cerrone and Chael Sonnen were talking about the walkouts and how they, it, sometimes their coaches have to force them to go out because they're so nervous wow. to go out there. And Donald Cerrone struggles typically in the first round of his matches because he really has a hard time coming out of his shell. He's just got that social anxiety. But the thing is, what have you learned in your experience as a fighter? Because you were there from the very beginning all the way until now, you know, um, and how to channel that energy. Like you were just talking about Justin, like how, how to channel that energy and use it for good. Cause everyone's going to get those same, same nerves, but how do you utilize it for like, I guess, adrenaline rather than to, like something to, like pull you down. Yeah. And it's, it's like you say that um, clear back when competing in wrestling and high school, to martial arts, I always got nervous. I mean, I, I was always, I, I was always, that always frustrated me. Uh, um, uh, St. Pierre, he said something once that on an interview that was great. He just said, you know, he used to worry and worry and worry because he, he, he couldn't get to sleep the night before a fight. And that was going to, and he goes, then he got to the point where he goes, guess what? Fights tomorrow, I'm not going to sleep. I thought, you know, that's probably what I should have. I think that's kind of the type deal was, is you kind of get in your head after a while, like, you know, I'm just going to be nervous, but so, you know, right. that, that's just, I, I'm going to be nervous. So don't be nervous about it. <laughs> so that's how I handle it because I got to the point where when I heard him, I said, that's kind of how I was because for whatever reason competing, I always, uh, Chuck G who I'll talk about great guy. He really helped influence not only refereeing, but the fighting game. Cause back in the day he was the man in the area. Um, uh, him, him and I used to talk about, you know, training, get, you know, getting ready for a fight or something. People were always going, are you worried about getting hurt? And we're like, at the time, now I'd be worried about getting hurt, but at the time, no, I'm worried about looking bad because I'm out of shape. That's what <laughs> I didn't want. And not really, that's him and I, him and I were freaks about, we wanted to be, if we're going to be trying to put our butts on the line or something, we we're going to lose because we lost the right way. Right. So anyway, but that goes back to your question about being nervous. I, I'm, I just got to the point where I'm going to be nervous, right? So don't be nervous about it. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure. And it sounds funny, but that's true. It. I can totally understand what you're saying. Like, it sounds weird to some people. They're like, what, what do you mean? But no, it's like, just come to terms with it, and then you go. Yeah. This is part of the game. Yeah. You know, Scott, going forward um, out of the late 90s, early 2000s, in the Treasure Valley especially, 
what was the first actual like true promotion nowadays we have what they call they have front street fights which is like yep. a major promotion here yep. in, the, in the valley they had like a, was the extreme fight series or something yep. like that that's for a casey while. thompson that was okay. that's the biggest reign kate casey tom well the first the fr casey is really the first big show in idaho and okay. and a lot of people it, it, again and one thing i want to mention right here is that you got the jens pulvers of the world you got the justin eilers of the world and uh we, I wasn't a fan of either one of them when they first came in because they had attitudes and stuff. But looking back, I probably had an attitude too, you know, right. <laughs> right? So, and then later on in life, we all kissed and made up, you know, it was like, you know, so I just like to say that is that, that they're um, a lot of the, that, that, you know, it's just rival, younger beginning, you know, beginning of the sports and stuff. So it's the same thing with Casey Thompson is a promoter um, is that I, over the years, there's so many, a lot of people complained about Casey, you know, this, that, the other, you know, and, um, I always, I used to tell people, you know, something, the best thing to do is put a, put together a promotion and show them how it's done. And I saw promoter after promoter after, over the years would set something up. Nobody would show up or very few and they, they cave in, you know, Casey was good about putting some butts in the seat. That's one thing he was good at. And I actually reached out to him to get some numbers because I was trying to add them up and stuff. And then, and then I don't know if I mentioned the beginning of the fight, but in the beginning of the interview, but for he he did he had a, a reign, reign for eight years at it was Quest Arena, right? It just switched his name to Quest Arena, so he's a big promoter. And the the, the state got involved and started the sanctioning buy because there's a million sanctioning binds. The rules are all over the map, uh, uh, you know. And so the state started to get involved, and the first officially state sanctioned one was in 2006, and that was Casey. As first ex extreme fighting series, and it was at it was at Quest Arena at that time, which now is the um, Idaho Central Arena, uh, which you know CenturyLink and now Idaho, but it was Quest Arena, and I remember that to this day. It was sold out. It was freaky. I'm there. I'm 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 like the main ref, right? And I actually had Chuck G, Chuck Gale from Mountain Home, and one of the students come and do a demonstration. For the audience because i we wanted to make sure they knew what they're watching right 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 <laughs> but i'm kidding you it was it was it was it was sold out it was only it's the biggest event that i've ever seen in mma history it's a big it, it was the usc because of all the equipment and stuff like that they couldn't pack that many people in there right but but i'm just saying that it was the biggest event so anyway that was the kind of casey did the first event he did in eight years he did 70 shows wow okay. so he put yeah he put on a ton of shows and he packed the seats they got to the point where um, you know, they, they kind of drape it off. So you only have half the arena. So then you don't have to worry about trying to get as many, many people and stuff like that. So Casey's really, and then a whole bunch of other promoters came up around, you know, a Casey, but Casey for the, the longest run was probably the biggest promoter, um, in, in the area. Um, and then there was, like I said, uh, then that was 2006 and that's when the state actually licensed so uh Ruin and i and chuck we all got licenses to, to the state right but you still didn't have to so you could ask the state to sanction you if you had amateurs right but if you had pros they got to that i think that they changed that in the beginning they just you could just go with the state but then the state kind of got frustrated because people were kind of going around the rules and stuff so then they they said that um well if you have any pros in the card you have to be sanctioned to the state you can't get you know, your buddy, the sanction year or something like that. Right. Then that turned in ultimately to where the state took over the whole thing and said, you know, Hey, if you run an MMA event in Idaho, you have to run it through us. And then at that time it was, um, they asked me, uh, to be the head of officials for, for, for Idaho. And I'd already been doing it, but they made official officials. So if you're going to put on an event like Bellator, the first time they came here, they called me up, um, when, when, uh, anyway, so, and then, uh, anyway, so they, 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 what, what that did was really back in the day is a lot of people. And again, I'm trying to keep it on the positive thing. Cause there's a lot of all the negative stuff all the time, but the, the good side of things was, is that at the time, I mean, I, we ruin ended up being kind of the head of officials for out of, I, I didn't like to travel as much. Right. And right. ruins height ruin did in one year, like 2007, I think he said himself, out as out like total i think was like he did 20 rep 24 right okay. so back in the day there was fights going all over the place in uh, in boise other places around idaho and what we did was we bring standardization is what we did was is that 
I mean, the, 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 the officials, you know, you, 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 you couldn't be drinking. Mean, back in the day, we had, I mean, before I, I took over, right, we had officials that were drinking alcohol, oh, right? But, you know, and, and like that, and not saying the referee, but I'm saying the judges sometimes, you know, drink and I know that, right? So, and sometimes it'd be someone's buddy and I, I'd go like, you know, like, so what type of background do you have? Well, I watch football. Oh, I like MMA though. I just started, I mean, I'm going, and they're judging. Yeah, for <laughs> so anyway, so there's kind of, anyway, so when it comes to your original question was, is like promoters and stuff. Casey's really one of the big, big promoters. And there was like, um, other ones that put on stuff, but really the, the big powerhouse for years was Casey Thompson. That's crazy. As I remember going back, I didn't realize who it was, but I just remember the fight starting to be more and more like popular around here. Like just going to the arena downtown Boise and kind of seeing it. And they were big. Like it was cool. Yeah. Cause like a lot of us fight fans, obviously I came from a boxing background. So I enjoyed that stuff. Anyways, I was watching the UFC and as that was starting to take off in the early two thousands, um, really big and stuff. So it was like, Oh, this is the next thing to the UFC. And now that I like look back on it for real, Scott, we're talking like 15 years later or so yeah. I'm like for a smaller promotion, those were some major events. Like he did a great job. Like, like I mean, yeah. they, they, they did a great job putting everything together because those are like really well ran. We see it a lot with front street fights now, like they've got it now, but like that was yeah. the original, like getting those true promotions and building it in the Valley yeah. where people didn't, they weren't scared of it. They weren't, uh, now they know what they're getting and they're actually excited for it. And they're starting to know the local fighters, for example, yeah. like these, these, uh, the, the local gyms and stuff. And the people are, people know them now. So it's kind of cool. Um, you, you've referenced a couple times, refing, 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 refing. Yeah. And I want to talk about your refing experience, okay. Scott, because a lot of people, um, they see like you have the fighting experience, you had the training experience, and now you have like the instructional experience. Now you have like the refing experience. You got you're very well rounded in mixed martial arts, so to speak. Refing, what is it like? Have you gone through any experiences where you might have like? Do you go back and watch film and say, ah, I probably shouldn't have called that one that early or anything like that? Because Herb Dean and like you hear about all yeah. these guys in the UFC, they take a lot of flack for like either early stoppages or not stopping it fast enough. You know, they get like a lot of flack for it. Do you ever have those experiences? Do you enjoy refing, or is it a little stressful when it comes to like fan and, and fighter backlash? Yeah. Uh, overall, you get uh, as, a, as a ref, you get a ton. I mean, and that's what my job was is kind of protect some of the other officials, you know, the judges and, and the refs. But like for me personally, my, my, my I, I, and that, that's one thing I had people that, um, weren't fan, will be nice, weren't fan of me being referent and stuff. And then years later, I go, you know something? I appreciate the way you did my fighters, me, because you're just, I mean, they went to out to other states and they just said that, you know, they didn't really realize how professional we were until they went to some other places, right? Or they went to somewhere else that was really high level. And they said, right. they run it exactly like you guys run it. So um, I, I always said as a referee, the, the big things I was at is number one, keep the fighters safe, right? Number right. two, Number two, be fair, right? So meaning that, you know, uh, don't let people break rules that, you know, as a ref, you know, you know, don't let, don't let, you know, make sure that, that you're, you're being a good referee and you're, you're being the same on both, both impartial to both, both people. Then the next thing right underneath that is, is I'm, I'm there to make sure that there's a, a, a great fight for the fans, right? So that was kind of as a, as a referee. Um, I, I got asked on some interviews years ago, like, well, as a referee, do you worry, 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 worry about the cameras, where they're at, right? And I said, well, that's a twofold question, right? Is one, if they're laying on the ground and nothing's going on really crazy, right? I might take a step over um, because I know that the camera's right behind me, right? That doesn't, right? But if if somebody's, or a fan, or, or make it so the fans could see something better, right? I might take a step over, right? But if it's about the guys right there on the arm bar, it's getting it's getting nailed against the, the cage, right? I don't give a crap about the camera. I don't give a crap about the audience. I give us the number one thing I'm worried about, the fighter safety. So I want to be right there. I don't give a crap about anything else. Um, but so, And then when it comes to refing, a lot of times um, people, I mean, over the years, when I was refing from the beginning, you know, some other people have refs and stuff, and I'd watch them how they ref, and I'm always trying to, get better as a ref. And I'd watch John McCarthy was a big guy. Herb Dean's a great guy. I'd watch them what they did and try to emulate some of that stuff. And again, back in the beginning, they go, well, what training did you have, Scott? And I got certified in a couple of different associations, right? But I, I helped, I helped them fix their, their, their 
things to be a, a rep because they were not even correctly done, right? So I'm like John McCarthy is that I started in the beginning. I, I, I just trained myself watching John McCarthy, right? Other officials and then on the job training, yeah. <laughs> right? But over the years, um, Ruling Day and Chuck G and I, we constantly, if there was a controversial call, right? And as a referee, you were kind of, you know, not quite right. We, we had ne- next day calls. We call each other all the time. So, hey, how do you think? And we'd ask each other there too. But we were, we were always, now we always air to the person in the cage and, and the, the, as, a, as a referee. Before Casey brought in the camera to do the review, right? I had a main event was uh, Gabriel, I mean, uh, Gabriel, uh, I, did, I can't remember his last name. Drives me crazy. Gabe Morales. And against, anyway, it was against, um, uh, oh, Ray, no, I'm sorry. It was Ray, Ray Morales against um, Gabe. I can't remember his last name. Anyway, it was a big fight, huge controversy. I'm the referee, right? And this is, I mean, the, the, that's one thing Casey was good at, is getting rivalries in there, right? They both yeah. didn't like each other. Tons of people show up to, right? And, and Gabe comes out, just nobody knew at the time. He, he has heavy hands, man. And he just demolished him, hits the cage, and he's out, right? So I, I stop it. I mean, I'm talking this within the first minute or so of that. It didn't last very long, right? right. And Ray's corner goes eight crazy, coming out, asking me, what the hell am I doing? And the whole time, I'm picking Ray up, and he's, and I lean him against the cage, and I'm standing there because I'm scared if I let go of him, he's going to fall down and hurt himself or something, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, then just like a lot of times, within a minute or so, he's back. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm ready to fight, right? So that's happened a couple of times to me where something like that. And then somebody sends me the video. I've had a fighter do this. Go back and say, hey, Scott, I'm sorry I got so mad at you. I rewatched the tape and I was out. And as a referee, sometimes you just can't. So we're always critic, we're, we're critical on ourselves all the time. And again, critical, we're just trying to get better. You're not going to be perfect, right? So we always err towards, I'd rather stop you know, a fight early than let one go late. That was kind of kind of always the rule, and so you're going to get shit for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know I mean? And that's how all of us had the philosophy was: is is that you know, it just maybe you could have taken six more hits, two more hits, right? But when I'm looking at you. You you got to intelligently defend yourself, and you're not, and you're and you're, uh, you know, and and it's also as a referee, it isn't the quantity, it's the quality. So if you're getting rocked, some people just if you're getting rocked, right? You better you better start defending yourself. Or I'm going to stop that, or Rune's going to stop fighting, or Chuck's going to stop the fight. Anyway, I hope that answered. So we used no. to think about it like relentlessly. We thought about it all the time, and I questioned myself. I had one fight once. I won't get too much details on it, but um, I, I I just I didn't see it. I asked the the judges, and they said they didn't see it. But the guy said he got kicked in the groin. Right? It was amateur. Right? Uh, okay. And so and he gets the crap meat out of him. You know what I mean? And and then that was a day that, you know something, next time I'm just going to, as an amateur, I'm, I, I mean, I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If he, you know, they get, they get, now I'm, now I'm, I'm not ref anymore. So now, but at the time I wouldn't have told people, but just because as an amateur, I didn't want to, you know, do that. So. Yeah. That's, those are interesting stories, man, because I, I can only imagine the difficulty. I never want to be a referee in any sport. <laughs> uh, I always hated refs when I was, you know, competing in basketball yeah. at the highest level. Like I didn't really have any problems with the boxing world because it is what it is. If you're getting pummeled, you're getting pummeled. If you're yeah. not, you're not, you know, and I was lucky that even when I was getting beat, I had refs that allowed me to like try to still, they gave me more than enough time to like yeah. try to come around and get and show something. But it's hard. It's a hard job. It's a oh, hard yeah. job to have. And I'm, I commend you for being on all parts of MMA. <laughs> like you're I like, again, fighting, instructing and refing. I mean, that's, you've got all of it. You, you've got the experience. Now I do have to ask you too, cause you, you touched base on the fact that you're no longer refing. Right. So when did you retire from refing and what's your future in mixed martial arts? Do you want to continue on in some form or fashion, help and support the mixed martial arts industry, especially here in the Valley of Idaho? Right. Always support it. I mean, I, I just love it. Uh, I had a friend just the other day reach out to me and say, um, hey, hey, Scott, well, why, why, don't you want to get way back involved in it? And I said, man, I, I, I even had, did the math. You know, I, I did it for 21 years. You know what right. I mean? Uh, and and uh, uh, head of officials for, 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 you know, 11, decade plus. Right. And I went, you know, I opened my own business in 2018, write another book. I said, I'm still involved. I love it. You know, I, I was an official for UFC. Uh, and all I, I still in Bellatar, 
So I still like it. I'll always be involved because it's just a passion of mine, but it's just like it, it, sooner or later, you got to pass the torch. You know what I mean, yeah. you really do. You got to, you got to get, get some new blood in there. So back in, and then this is something I mentioned before it that uh, now it's kind of leaked out a little bit, but for a lot of years I kept, I mean, I, I tapped a lot of people out, uh, punched a lot of people, <laughs> hurt a lot of people. And they, I got hit too. Right. But you know, I, I gave out more than I got usually, but in, I was, uh, so this, this leads into the, I was going to fight my last. So I was supposed to fight four times, two times. I had an opponent up, up to the day of, and they both backed out on me. Right. So I was like, had a guy that I was going to train for and I'll, I'll get in that story a second. So I'm going to be training for this fight in 2000. Right. So getting ready for that fight, he backs out the last freaking second. And then, so in, I got in a car wreck, I think in November. And so then I, I go into a neurologist that does some MRIs on me and stuff like that. And he says, he goes, Oh, you're perfectly fine. But he says, Oh, but you have multiple sclerosis. I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. So I was like, oh boy, oh boy. So then I knew, and I had, at the time they diagnosed me as the least, there's three types, but the least one, the least aggressive. So it's a flip of the coin, you know, right. I could be totally fine for my whole life or majority of people though, it, 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 it something's going to happen. You're going to slowly degrade down. So that was in, that was in, uh, the end of two, 2000. And then, um, so then I just, I had a, you know, like, Think things were you know fine and everything was good. I had to kind of change some things I did. And Chuck G, you know, he doesn't have anything, no, no, like MS or something. Nothing wrong with him at all. But him and I would talk all the time. We would to referee. We would not work out so many a day before we went, we didn't want to be sore when you know right. work a we wouldn't work our legs hard before we ref ever ever right. So we were always talking about stuff like that. But then in 2017. I was refing and I had a couple fights left to ref and I just, I just, I just didn't feel confident with my, with my legs and stuff. And so I just, I told Ruin, I say, Ruin, I don't feel right tonight. You got the rest of the night. And he goes, oh, okay. And he didn't, he didn't get deep. He's one of the few of my friends I told. He knew it since the beginning that I had, you know, uh, then he also watched me bang a, a bunch of people and tell a bunch of people out. He was like, oh, wow, you did pretty good. But then it was, a, it was for me, it was just like a slow, slow kind of, kind of progression of it. So in 2017, then I just, I, I stepped out because I, I just didn't feel confident, called the state like the next day and just said, Hey, here's the deal. I don't feel confident anymore. So you want me to be head official still? I'd love to do it. And I go, oh, no, we want to keep you in. You just, you know, you just won't. And then I had, I had a neurologist actually saying they would switch medications and get me feeling. It, and I said, Nope, I'm done. Right. So I want to be hundred percent or nothing. And so that was kind of my, my end of that. And the, the reason I didn't let a lot of people know was, is that, and uh, too much in the weeds on this, but. I had two employers in my life. One of them was an owner of a company. Take me and another lady did hiring back in a room and say, hey, um, whatever you do, don't hire somebody with MS or some other chronic disease because, um, uh, you know, we, 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 our insurance rates are through the roof. And I'm going, holy shit. That uh, he doesn't know I have it. Right. I didn't. I never. So I, that happened to another employer, too. So that's that uh, that that kept me keeping it kind of, I, I, I kept it a secret. And right. then I used, cause I did training for my fights. I dislocated my knee twice. One time I beautiful throw. I threw, I got hit through a guy and people said it was fantastic. And then boom, my leg kneecap went off. It was brutal. Oh, uh, gross. Uh, <laughs> oh it, was, it was, it was the most, again, I broke my collarbone wrestling. Didn't hurt at all. Almost compound fractured. Nothing. I've done all right. But, but that kneecap I have killed me. Anyway. So, I, over the years, like, I, like Keith Owen, he's a friend of mine. I trained there. I got my purple belt from him is, um, I, when we were, tra we would train, we do the like six minute drills and stuff like that is that I, it was always a problem, right? Getting towards my, my, my fourth, fifth or sixth guy. Uh, but then it just got to the point where I, I, I just couldn't, you know, kind of anyway. So in 2017, I think it's around there is that it just kind of got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll on the, so I, I, I do, I do a lot of judging now. So I, I switched, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Sutnick took over the head of officials and he's a great guy. I actually had him involved and because I was, and people don't, this is all ruined him, uh, but no one else knows this. I actually was kind of bringing him in, having him, even though he did a lot of repping outside of Idaho, I was bringing him in because of his background. He, he was in new, new, uh, Herb Dean really well. 
friends with him so he could bring in, you know, a lot of, a lot of additional things that, you know, keep Idaho growing. And so I kind of, kind of helped him go along. And then now he's, he's the head of officials and doing a fantastic job uh, with, with all of that. And he does a lot of repping and stuff like that. So I, I do judging now, which I'll tell you, I think, and then tell me if you want to get into it, the rules are, is a big thing, but, but it, 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 I referee time to time, right. But I mean, excuse me, judge from time to time, because something would go wrong. They need a judge and stuff. I think it was a pretty good judge, but really uh, you, you, especially with the new rules, right. Uh, reffing's easier. <laughs> is it? Judging is just a, the new rules are just a pain in the butt because they're just not in a good way, but they're just, anyway, so that's where I've kind of, so yes, I'm still going to be involved, but just not, I mean, I, again, I was, I was in charge of everything for the state. I mean, I get, I, get a call, I mean, and, and, and then I had, that's why I had Rulin went to Tom Katsumita, who was the commissioner at that time and said, Hey, went to, went to lunch with him and said, Hey, why don't you make Ruling head of officials for everything out of Idaho, and occasionally he can do it, I do it. But and then anything in Idaho, I'll I'll take care of all the officials and stuff like that. So anyway, so that's how I that's my reffing my reffing career. So I started in, in like nineteen ninety seven, I think. So it's a full 20, 21 years almost twenty to twenty one yeah, years. Yeah, so I, I, I got a good, I, I I got a great you know I, like I said I got a great run. I can't complain about it. Oh man, what was your okay? Just tell me your favorite fighter. You've had a lot of local fighters. You've been around right. a lot of local fighters, guys who have gone on to the big times. Right. You know, what was the favorite? What was your favorite fight that you've ever refed? If you could choose one out of the twenty years, twenty plus years that you've wow. done, that's a tough one. I know. I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, Name mm -hmm. one that sticks out to you. Just one that just popped into your head. Even if there is a bunch, it's like what's one that popped into your head? One of your favorite fights. Well, I mean, the Gabe and and and, uh, and Ray, that was one that stuck out just because of there was such rivalry. I mean, there's, they, right. they, I mean, there's just like, and it was just it was the the whole build up before the before the fight. But it, one, I'd have to kind of think about it because, like I said, there's there's been just a ton of really good fights that um, get pulled off the last. I mean, Josh Wick, he he's a freaking stud, you know. He, he, his, we, the state, uh, I didn't get involved in this, but I, cause I am involved in it. They, they, but we had, we had to, they had to give him a special waiver cause he wasn't even 18 yet to fight. And he, I think, he went, so he was like 17. I don't know how he, but, and he looks, he always looks like a kid anyway. So he looks like he's 12 and he, I think he was a fighter of the night, fight of the night. So that was, that was a fantastic fight. There's, there's, there's been just so many fights that my, my favorite fights are always the ones that go back and forth, back and forth. And what drives most people crazy is, when someone's getting the worst end of things and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, big knee, big Land arm bars, arm bars. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I love that, man. I love it. Hey, a question for you too, because you mentioned judging. I know this is going like long and I apologize, but I, I just love the conversations and the stories. Oh, no sharing, problem. Man. Yeah. The, the judging thing, there's a, there's a discussion out there for mixed martial arts at the professional level if they should have live judging, right? Like where you're showing the scorecards, where the fighters right. know right. where they stand. Right every single round as a judge with your experience, do you think that that should be implemented into the mixed martial arts realm? You know, uh, I've heard about that and I, I do think it is. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And I won't get into details of who, but people high up in the UFC, okay. High up in the UFC. I had conversations with them and I said, we need to educate um, the community on the new rules. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, poo-pooed me and just said, oh, we want a bunch of armchair quarterbacks. And so, but you, you, you're a sports guy, you get this. And this is why I think we should change real quick. Go back. I'm, I'm really proud of myself and Rulin helping out for some of the stuff we brought professionalism, people that are actually trained and knows what the hell they're looking at when they're, they're doing stuff. Um, and then also accountability. I'm the guy that, that, uh, Brett that does front street fights. I'm the guy I, I taught those guys. They came to me and I taught them how to, and I said, here's the deal. We, they used to in the past, not not one under my control, but in the past, they would have the thing like a cry tournament where they'd say judge number one, judge the judge number two. I'm like, that's a bunch of crap. That doesn't keep hold people accountable. Right. So accountability is huge. Accountability, man. So I would say the only thing I did change, which is rather than have if I'm a ref, Scott Marker, then ref two, ref three, switch the names around. So it doesn't then it, you know, doesn't it's just a whole anyway. So you don't have the same judge, but so, but but calling us out right now so I, i'm the guy implemented that years ago and a lot of places didn't like that you know that weren't under my control yet 
and didn't like that. I'm like going, you, you got judges that aren't accountable. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, you, you gotta be accountable, you know? So, so yes, I think, I think there should, yes, I think they should know where they're at round by round. I think that the judges need to be held totally accountable for what, what they do. Um, yes. So I am just because but you, you, uh, what, uh, a lot of times what I do is I look at other sports for MMA, how, how I kind of like increase things and, and make things better. Football, for example, I'm not a football guy, but I watch it occasionally. And they, why did that referee call that? And they can break down, look, see his toe was there. And, and then right. they break everything down to help educate the audience on exactly why they rule or why they messed up, right? So I'm just a person that thinks, um, yes, I think the more accountability, the better, because you're going to get, you're going to weed out bad, bad referees. There's all totally. you're going to do. I mean, you're going to weed them. I mean, you are. I mean, if, if, if you got a referee, and I've said this forever, and I, I weeded out a couple earlier that I, I was in control, but I'd have people around the powers pressuring me to, to have someone come on before I before I took over everything, right? And and I'd watch them, and they were they were t- they didn't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, their 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 scorecards were way out, and I, so basically, I'd never once I controlled everything, I kept all those people out of there. So yeah. long long winded answer, but yes, I'm all about accountability. The early days, there was none. And, and you get a lot higher quality. If you're, if you're a referee, I mean, a judge, if you're a judge, right. You owe it to the fighter to, to, you know, to show them what, why, you know, not only that. And then here's another thing is too, is, is you need to be able to explain why the hell you, you judge it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's another thing is too, is that a lot of times judges are like, well, I just thought he won. No, no. I want specifics of exactly why you thought he won. So I'm all I'm all about that accountability because there's there's been a lack of it over the years and I think the more the more the better you're gonna get, it's gonna raise up the whole standards of the referees and I'm the judges. So, so glad to hear you say that because as a fan, like I would love to see it too. I understand it's a little more complex than just like you know what it might sound like to the to the average person, but I am I like looking forward to that potentially being something in the future for the sport. So Scott. To wrap it up, man, you've been in this this for a long time. I mean, a long time. You've been you've been in the sport. You've seen the growth of MMA in the Valley. It's so cool to see you as the pioneer, hear the stories of the people you've been around, just everything and the growth of it all the way up until now. Where do you expect the sport to be in the next 10 to 15 years in Idaho, for that matter? Fred Street's Fights has actually done a pretty good job, I mean, great job, actually, of, of raising it to another level when it comes to professionalism. I think they've, they've done a great job uh, at just overall, just a really, really good job. I looking, I couldn't even really guess where it's going to be because stuff has, has just, I, I could have never foresaw where it's at now. And, and so it's just, it's just free. We were athletic back in the day and we were doing it. People are world-class athletes today. I, I don't know where it's going to be. I think we're going to continually see Idaho keep, getting people that are UFC level type people to, to go in there just because we keep getting more and more higher level people here, more, you know, more and more schools, higher level schools here, uh, the schools that are here already getting better and better. Uh, you know, sky's the limit really what it is. I, the one thing that, um, it's cause I'm getting old <laughs> is that, uh, in the early days, I'm like, you know, pound them to death, but I'm, I'm now I'm like, wow, that's, you know, we get, I do think down the way they're going to have to change the rules a little bit. Uh, not only here in Idaho, but but in USC, because we we adopted the new unified rules. Right. We were one of the first ones actually that that, that adopted them. Um, and because the level of the fighters have gotten so high that the amount of damage they can do is getting so high that I think they're going to have to revisit some things down the road because they're just oh man that the the caliber. So I I don't know where it's it's going to be down 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 the line. It, it's hard. Um, it just. I don't think it's going to be the the hockey stick because I think it, it you know there's but just the the evolution of it the way that everybody's it, it's going to just go to an, a new level that we won't even be able to guess I mean you know, it's going to just continue I don't I don't think it's going to be as much just because of how fast it's come but still it's just like any sport they keep breaking new records <laughs> year after year records keep getting knocked down USC you're going to keep seeing the level raise every single and here in Idaho same way. You're going to see the level continually grow year after year after year. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to be still part of it. For sure, man. I'm excited to see it too. I'm right there with you. I think the evolution of the athletes, the training is getting better. You know, it's just more consistent around here. Yeah. Going to get bigger, better, like faster, stronger athletes. 
You won't see the necessary like hockey stick growth like you might have seen prior, but like it'll still be just the evolution and the fight styles and everything. I, I feel will continue to improve because it it has in the last fifteen years, which doesn't seem like it's crazy to me. That was in high school, and now it's like whoa, that was fifteen years ago. So mm -hmm. it's it's just crazy to think about it now. And uh, I I'm looking forward to it. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of you because like I like to to see like where you've come and the 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 part that you play, the role that you play in, in mixed martial arts in, in Idaho. And I appreciate you for that because I think it's awesome. So Scott, I just want to say thank you once again for joining us, sharing the stories with us here on the game time guru podcast, man. Thank you so much. Hey Shane. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, man. And for everybody out there listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you have an iPhone or anything that an Apple device, make sure to leave me a five-star review. Let me know what you think about the podcast, share it with your friends and family, and we'll be coming to you every single Friday with a new episode. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.